0: what happened is is they only they went into their bank right and they they said yeah we'll hold the rate for you but didn't gather any other information or anything just like they were clients right and so they can do that so for us we need all the information up front and then we put in for a rate hold and the importance and the difference is is because at their bank because they didn't update all their employment information and like their debt servicing and look through all of that they just gave a rate right? And they just locked in a rate, but they didn't get pre-approved or they didn't find out their affordability. And so when they went to act on it, what happened is, is that they said, we can't approve you.
1: Hey, all you future Forexers out there. So glad you joined me once again on this Real Estate with Kelly podcast dedicated to real estate professionals who they want to learn how to crush it in real estate. Today's a special episode. We're going to let you in on one of our weekly coaching sessions where we had a special guest talking with us about financing. Lisa Clee from Allegro Mortgages. You just heard her talking about an issue that came up where she had to step in and get some clients back on track and this kind of stuff happens all the time but you know what? It can be avoided. We're gonna arm you today to help you avoid those challenges that can arise and equip you to learn how to pre-qualify your clients without having to be a licensed mortgage specialist. We're gonna be chatting about the four pillars of finance and other kind of tricks of the trade to help you when you're out there working with potential buyers and sellers too. All right, let's play the intro and we'll get right into it. Newer real estate agents, are you making $150,000 or more in real estate this year? How would you like to believe with 100% certainty that you will? What if you knew exactly what to do every day to make money in real estate? Are you the type of person that will do the work, serve the people well, you would devote a good portion of the day on focused activities and habits to drive business if you just knew what to do? Does cold calling or door knocking or paying for leads freak you out? Good, because it freaks me out too. Are you working part-time and afraid to leave the job to go full-time into real estate? Am I speaking to you right now? Give me 15 minutes and I know I can help you. Go to 4 to learn how I created a recipe for success that anyone can do. You have the ingredients to be successful within you right now. You just need to know what to do. Learn how I earn multiple six figures working less than 40 hours a week. And here's the kicker. I get paid every single month. Want to learn how? Go to 4 Formula.com, xformulacom the number 4xformula.com. All right. Hey, everybody. Awesome. Good to see all y'alls. You know, sorry, guys. <laughs> Zoom made me re-log in. I almost like normally I just go into Zoom, boom, just hit the thing, start going. It made me re-log in. I couldn't remember my login. I had to go out of everything and oh my goodness. So that's why I'm late. I was like bang on time and then I wasn't. Okay I gotta go back into I was gonna do uh, live on uh, Facebook today too just to kind of kind of double dip on this since we have an amazing special guest today. Lisa Klee. I don't know where she is and you're and how you're looking but uh yeah
0: <laughs> morning. <laughs> good
1: morning um uh, so hopefully everybody's uh yeah there's heather coming okay okay i'll get that out of the way we'll get some more people joining us as we go here oh there's john <laughs> awesome awesome and we got some new people too awesome let's see here amid pre, pre- use in and did i pronounce good morning that? yes Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. How are you, Kelly? Very good. Glad you're here. That's awesome. Yeah, My pleasure. Yeah. We have people coming in and out. It's never the, the same group, but uh, it's awesome. Hi, Gary. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> hey, John. We got Matt out there. Super. Okay. I'm just seeing people come in. I'm going to open up the chat. Um, As we go, I'll try and remember to repeat this and stuff. Um, I've got most of your emails, but just in case, um, I've got something for you, all of you who attend today. Um, Actually, let's, I got to go live now. Hang on. Okay. All right. So we're going live on Facebook. Hi, everybody. And Facebook, we'll see you in a bit. You're probably just joining. So today we're going to be talking about mortgages. Today is all about mortgages. So I'm super excited about this because it's super, like, it's really important to understand the numbers, understand how to have those proper conversations with people and and really just bring reality to the situation and bring calm to the situation. But at the same time, before you start putting people in your car and driving them around all over the place and spending all this time and money on that, it's a really good idea to to learn at least uh, a skill set of pre-qualification. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna yap a little bit, Lisa, and then I'm gonna bring you in, and we're gonna do just a full-on Q and A. Um, but I'll 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 get you thinking about it now. We'll look, you know, I'd love you to start with something to talk about a little bit about the banks, what's going on, what you see happening, you know, over the next few months, and and how we can adjust for that. So I'll leave that with you, so you can think a little bit while I'm talking about the other things. Um, so yeah, anybody who's with us today, um, if you just plug in your email into the chat, um, that'll go into a thing that I can record and I will send this out to you. Um, so far, this is not available anywhere. This is something I created a while ago and, I've, and I'm saving it for a specific part of the, the course in the 4X Formula uh, Quick Commission Blueprint course. I'm saving this for a specific pillar in the course um, that we're gonna introduce this, this tool and um so no one's even seen it uh you're the first to see this and you're going to be the first to get it so um i've got it all prepared i'm going to email it to you just plug in your email and i'll send it to you anybody on facebook live just send me a dm um, and i will send this out to you as well okay basically it's a mini uh call it a mini course if you will on just pre-qualification, just a step-by-step guide on how that works. And I've even given you a bit of a tool. It's a, I call it a client worksheet. Um, And it goes over basically the four pillars of of finance. And if you understand those four pillars really, really well, and you understand that basically you just need three out of four to, to get some sort of financing, you can get two out of four, but Lisa will tell you, it's a little tougher financing, but it, you know, three out of four is kind of optimum. Um, nobody's hundred percent perfect every single time because something else might be going on or there might be another issue. So I'm going to talk about them real quick and go over that. Um, because I think this is super important information. And if you remember this alone, this is really going to help you when you're sitting down with clients. So real quick, I'm going to just put a pin in that. and I'm going to talk about sitting down with clients. You know, locking in buyers, working with buyers is a key element today. The gestation period between starting with somebody to them actually doing something is probably going to be a little bit longer. Some people are like ready to go right now. And that's awesome. But we can't we can't build our business on the now, now, now people. We've got to think about the soon and the later people. Right. And we got to nurture them along and eventually become nows. And when they become a now, hopefully they're working with you. So how do you get that to happen and and ensure that that happens, right? Part of that is just being a professional, being someone that stands out, that actually is in their corner, that's working for them, for their best interest, right? So um, when you sit down with somebody, we should be talking about buyer's agent contracts. We should be talking about the process, right? And, And give them a feel about the journey a little bit, Right. You know, when, the, when, when you're flying in the airplane and the airline pilot goes, okay, guys, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for five hours. We're going to be a five-hour flight. Uh, looks like the temperature in uh, Arizona is blah, 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 blah. But I will say, you know, about halfway through, we're probably going to hit a little bit of turbulence. It's going to be a little bit bumpy. There's some air currents going out there. Uh, if they tell you about that in advance, it doesn't feel so scary, right? Now, when you hit the turbulence, you go, oh, yeah, you already talked about that. It's not freaky because he talked about turbulence coming up. So if we can do that in our discussions with people, and part of it is honestly prepping them so that because you, when you, when you refer somebody to a mortgage broker or a mortgage lender or somebody that you're working with, you want to set that up properly, right? There's a process involved and it's super frustrating for the mortgage brokers you know, Lisa will tell you this. We'll get into this in a bit, but it's super frustrating for them too when the banks change the game or they ask for more information, and it's super. You know, it's just super frustrating. So just get them ready for that. You know, uh, the mortgage broker is not an idiot. They're not a jerk. They're dealing with underwriters that are asking for stuff, and they're dreaming up new stuff all the time. And we just have to be compliant. We're, you know, they they hold the money that we want to get. So. You know, we're going to have to play the game and it's going to be frustrating sometimes. So just, you know, prepare people for that sometimes it's, and it's even more so right now because of the rates increasing and there's uncertainty on things. And there's just a little bit of that. So we have to bring calm to that. Right. So anyway, mortgage qualification. So this is a nine page document um, that I'm going to send out to you guys. And it basically talks about the four pillars of financing. So these are the four pillars you need to understand. Okay. Okay. Credit history or character, that's one of the pillars that the lenders are gonna be looking at. Credit history or character. The other thing they're gonna be looking at is income stability. So how is it derived? How is it coming in? How much is it? What kind of job is it, right? Is it a a business for self quasi kind of job? Is it income plus bonuses that happen because of a certain type of structure in a job? Those kind of things are, are super important to know. There's truckers as an example who are employees and some truckers are actually business for self people. That's a, those are two different profiles, right? So how is their income derived? How long have they been at the job? You know, uh, If they just got a raise recently, are they still on probation? Some jobs have a year probation. Some jobs have three months probation, right? So these are all really important things. Um, if they've been in the job over a year, uh, have they, have they moved jobs recently? We moved uh, uh, like they they're making money in this exact same industry doing the exact same thing, but they just moved. Well, that that's okay. Or they were doing one thing and now they're doing a whole different thing, but it's new. Well, that's totally different. They're in a new industry. Now they're trying something different. There's a little, an element of risk there in the eyes of the lender. So these are all the things you want to know, right? How do you work? Ask a few questions about that. How does your income come in? Is it salary? Is it hourly based? Can we guarantee it's all full time? What kind of job letter are they going to give you? Are they going to explain things? Is there a bonus structure involved? Well, how does that work? Then we're probably going to need two or three years average on that. Um, you might've had a fantastic year this year, but they're going to probably just take the average of the last two to three years if it's if it's a bonus type structure. So these are, these are kind of things to consider when you're getting into these conversations, right? So income stability um, is a big one. How are they going to pay it back, right? next one is down payment. Some people have less money down. Some people have a lot more money down and these affect, um, the, the approval process and how they're going to be looked at and their profile within the lender, right? A person like Lisa will take these three pillars and basically go, okay, we need to find a lender that's going to fit this profile that based on the pillars that we're looking at, right? Maybe they have tougher credit but they have super good income and they have lots of money down. Well, we're looking good. We could probably make this happen still. They might've had a blip in the past, right? Maybe they have fantastic credit, fantastic income stability, but low down payment, right? So that's where the pillars come in and this worksheet comes in. So you can sit down with people, you know, between one and 10, what is it? You know, they got fantastic credit. They're over 680. I've seen people, my brother, it, at, when we pulled his credit a few years ago, I don't know when it was. He had the highest credit rating I'd ever seen of any client. It was my brother. I'm so ticked off at him. But anyway, and then, um, you know, income stability. How does that work? Are they between a one and ten? How does it look? Some people are business for self, right? We're going to hit them a little bit harder because they may claim less money in their in their in their income. Because a lot of business people don't want to pay a lot of taxes. They want to keep them or they want to keep the money in their company and they just pay themselves enough to survive and just kind of pay the bills. But the company kind of covers all the other major expenses. So they'll show less money. Well, the lender's going to look at that and it might be a concern. It might be a different way of um, creating a profile for that person. Um, And then the next thing that's really important. So that's all about the people right? Those are the three pillars about the people, but the fourth one's the property. And, and that's, that's the security of, of this loan, right? That's the security. So the property is super important. If it's a mobile home sitting on seven acres, that's going to be a little tougher property to finance, right? If it's a, if it's a property that's located with a population of 1500 people out of town, Right. That, that property is going to be a little bit tougher to finance right because there's there's less turnover of sales the banks look at that under 8000 people i think it is lisa'll talk more about that and is you know is it the type of product that you know it's just cookie cutter like where where there's lots of sales happening there's a lot of turnover going on there's lots of buyers in there they love those types of properties right um if it's you know, so the the type of property that's that that's the security on the property, you know, past grow ups or just recent grow ups, um, you know, things like that. Okay, um, so anyway, that's a little bit about the four pillars of finance, and I get deeper into it in here, and then I do I do a few scenarios, some examples of different types of people and how that how the bank would look at them and how we would mark them in categories. So I'll I'll get this out to you guys. But I wanted to quickly talk about the the four pillars for about 15 minutes. And then um, I wanted to just after that, open it up so that we can talk and get some insights from Lisa. So Lisa, let's open the floor to you now.
0: That's great. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't say much about you. Okay. Sorry. I got to do my job here. Lisa Klee, Allegro Mortgages. She's amazing. I've been uh, working with her for about six years. Um, and she's done a lot of stuff for us personally as well. And we also refer a lot of clients to her too, uh, just because she does a great job. She cares about the people she deals with and she walks alongside them. Some people are not today. Some people are sooner laters and she sticks with them and works them on a plan. And, and I really appreciate that as a professional. And I don't take money when I refer anybody to anybody because I don't believe in that but I, I do ask one thing from the people that I refer business to, and that is do a great job. And if you can make me look good too. Right. That's what we want to do guys. And we want to edify each other too. Right. So when I edify Lisa, she's got to live up to, and she knows that. And when she edifies us or refers people back to us, if that happens, she, you know, we got to live up to that too. Right. And so anyway, a little bit about that, but Lisa's fantastic. And uh, our, our mentalities are aligned on how we deal with people and everything. And so I love that. So, Anyway, I wanted to give you that, Lisa.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for the kind words. Um, yeah, you know, to, to expand on what you said there, we honestly look at it as a what's called a transfer of trust. And so we know how important it is when you're referring clients to us, like you said, to live up to expectations of, you know, the same mentality of treating them, you know, as family, friends. Um, and at the end of the day, all we care about is doing what's right for them. Um, and so we are going to do the work so that when they walk out the door, whatever option we're giving them, we know that no matter what, it's never going to come back, that there could have been a better option. So back to your comment on, you know, really looking at, you know, all the different aspects, what we say, people talk about, you know, what's the best rate out there? What's the best option for me? And we say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I totally appreciate that you want quick answers and you're wanting to act quickly, especially with the market, how it has been in the past couple Couple years, Um, but we really need to understand who you are, what your goals are, what makes you tick, and then we can then come up with a solution for you. So it's kind of the age old cart before the horse. We want to make sure that we understand all of those things before we give the solutions because the solutions are going to be tailored to those answers that clients give us. Um, You know, pre approvals, absolutely. At the end of the day, like, what are you looking at? What can you afford right now, especially? What is the mortgage payment? You know, we have so many people that they're just like, "Qualify for the maximum that you can give me," and then we're like, "Okay, so high level, you know, the maximum is this, and here's what the payments are going to be: thirty five hundred bucks a month." And they're like, "What?" Yeah. Like, they're not. We're not quite caught up to the rates, how they've increased over the last little bit here. So they're still thinking, clients are still thinking about, you know, a $500,000 mortgage and what the payment would have been when we were looking at, you know, 2% rates. Um, And yes, they hear it and they know the rates are increased, but let's like really drill down to what the monthly payment is, you know. So again, it's just just because somebody can afford something doesn't mean that they want to. So that's also a huge thing before we're giving them back um, with an affordability to the realtors, making sure that we've gone through every single detail so that there's nothing, no question left where we go through all the work of putting an offer in on something. And then they're like, wait a minute, what's the payment? Um, that's just our worst nightmare as well as yours, right? Because then we just yeah. really want to get this work out of it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, obviously, everything's rate sensitive, right? Um, <clears throat> we've talked about this quite a bit in, uh, in our coaching sessions over the past few weeks. And to me, I look at it and go, well, people were qualified based on a payment amount, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the you know, it's your income derives a, a certain payment amount, right? And there's rules for that, right? Around that 30% of, of your income can be devoted to... Uh, payments and some other costs of that. We can expand on that in a bit. And then there's the the 40, 42-ish thing, depending on CMHC guidelines of total debt and payments going towards those things. Okay, so we've got uh, gross debt service ratio and total debt service ratio that we use for for qualification. And I'll let you expand on that in a second. But in my mind, like if someone's qualified for a $2,000 a month payment, just use $2,000 for now. The, the, even if the rates go up, it's still a two thousand dollar payment. Like it's not like they're 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 having to pay more money necessarily. There are some people that maybe were on some floatings and and yeah. there's going to be some trigger rate things going on with them, potentially. Me being yeah. one of them. Um, but but as far as qualifications go for purchasing right now, right. So if it was. You know, a $750,000 townhome a little while ago, and now it's a $550,000 townhome or a $600,000 townhome. It doesn't matter. It's still $2,000 a month is what you're qualified for. So your yeah. purchase power may have changed slightly, but the prices have, have dropped considerably right now. We might still be close or in line. Yeah
0: absolutely yeah and that's what we're finding like you know we have lists and lists and lists of people that were pre-qualified previously um but they just couldn't get in right like it was just too aggressive of a market for our clients to be able to because they they needed subject to financing and they needed you know mom and dad to be on board or whatever the case was in their situation and they they became discouraged and they went off and we're like you know what i just it's not the right time you know so they mm-hmm. kind of went quiet and we followed up and like hey you just you know well let's readjust let's take a look at this and they're like no i'm done like it's just too aggressive well now what we're seeing is those people coming out of the woodworks and we've having to come and grab them and say hey come and take a look at this again because they're like now their fear is interest rate so ne- before yeah. it was market now it's interest rates so we're doing our part to grab those clients and say hey let's actually take a look at it because you're (laughs) right and you can put subject to financing so then you can through that process, it's a much better process because they can actually take the time to understand it. And that's where fear gets in the way for a lot of clients. And that's where we're doing our part to make sure that we're giving them that full understanding and regrouping. So you're exactly right. We're seeing more and more of our clients going out and buying now, you know, but it just that work, but we're willing to do that because one, we enjoy that process a lot better. Um, (laughs) We really get to know our clients and it's not like I have, you know, subject removal in five seconds and so go do get yeah. your approval tomorrow. Um
1: totally and- that and that's the thing, like people should actually feel empowered right now, yeah, right? And yeah. because it's a buyer's market, and and this is this is where you know, this is where they this is what they've been waiting for. Yeah, but it, it couldn't be a hundred percent perfect, it couldn't stay at two two percent and prices exactly. come down 150 grand and They're, they're not competing for offers and, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to have to pay. Like I remember those conversations. It was not fun having conversations with buyers and going, I don't know. Is it going to be 40 grand over this price or 80 grand over this price? I'm not sure. Maybe it's a hundred. Like that is a horrible conversation to have with a pre-approved buyer who has a defined amount that they can qualify for. Mm -hmm. That is really hard. It takes them out of the game. And if they don't win that one, Next week, the prices are up even higher, 10 20%, 15%, 5%, and they're out, right? So what you're saying now is you're going back to those people, all of you realtors, all of you who had some people in the past over the last year and a half, two years, get back into that database and call those people up and get them together with people like Lisa and go, okay, let's figure it out now. Where are you at now? Where's the reality of it all? Let's see if there's something out there for you now. And guess and a what lot you of
0: might... clients need holding, Like they need that reassurance, right? Yeah. Like they're like, I don't want to talk to anybody. No, just, there's no, no pressure. Like just sit down. Let's just have a conversation. And once we sit in front of them or get to talk to them, then it's amazing A switch just flips and they're like, Oh, and we just create that, that doubt, right? Like maybe we don't know and maybe we mm-hmm. do need to find this out. So it's really helpful.
1: Yeah. No, well, super good. So that's, there's business right there waiting for you guys. Right now, there's business there. Um, and sometimes it's about the shift. Sometimes it's about the move. Sometimes it's about a shift of equity to make the next move. And people do get hung up on, on sale price, right, for sure, because they were, they were looking at a chunk of money there. And that chunk of money may not be there now. So they're like, ah, maybe I won't make a move. That might be the right answer. That might be the right conclusion for some of these people, right? Because they're moving equity. But at the end of the day, someone said this recently, and I thought, ah, oh, it's awesome. You date the rate, right? And you marry the property, right? Because rates change all the time. The The rate is just a, you know, borrowing of money from the banks right now is all about leverage, right? It's just about leverage. We're, you know, we're in an area where, and it depends on where you are too. I mean, I'll I'll qualify that, but Where most of us are operating right now we're we're in an area where we know at some point the market's going to go again it was there that means it'll go there again for sure that's how it works that's how it's worked for the last 45 50 years so the market was at a certain level right call it 150 grand more in a lot of cases right 150 200 grand more in a lot of cases so if you can buy something that's not at that price right now, leveraging a, you know, a five and a half percent rate or whatever it is at the moment, then you, you can at least feel confident that 200 grand is still there to get at some point. It's a weird way of thinking of it. It almost sounds salesy, but we know it's there just from past, like, and I've never believed it every time, every time I remember, I never believed condos would be over hundred grand. I remember that. 25 years ago when I got into real estate, right? There's million dollar condos out there now, right? Like the, you know, and I remember selling my first 10 acre property and it was 250 grand. And I thought I was the big man, 250 grand. I'm getting paid, man. Like, you know, and I was so excited about that. And, and I never could imagine that property being one and a half million dollars. Right. So it, it does happen eventually. So real estate, you're, you're always going to do fine as long as you don't sell at the wrong time. Or if you are selling at a time where maybe the equity is, is shrunk a little bit, make sure the next buy is a win, right? Like that, what, what you're going into, there has to be potentially a better win off that than, than what you're selling. If that's not the case, then stay where you are. Yes. Right? Um, so anyway... Um, let's open the floor up and see if anybody's got any specific questions about financing that they want to ask Lisa right now. There's got to be some burning questions. Well,
2: while you're doing that, Kelly, I was just thinking about something
0: that I wanted to share about how we we design things to take that guesswork out. Like we were talking about fear and, and information. Um, What we do with our clients is is like if they're transferring, so moving up or, or whatnot, and they have that fear right now, we're seeing a lot of, well, I need subject to sale. Right. So what we're doing is we're saying, OK, if you were to purchase this place at this price, this is how much cash you're going to need. So this is how much you need to sell your house for. And then this is how much proceeds you're going to have and we're taking like okay but you need to pay your truck off you need to do this and we're showing them exactly what the numbers look like so every email that we send out we just sent one out this morning if you were to buy this house this is how much the purchase price would be this is how much your affordability is based on every single document that we've already received Mm -hmm. so that again we're not just guessing. We, we make sure we have everything in people. That's the hardest part of our job is just give me the answer. Like, I don't want to give you everything under the sun because that's what we require. But they're <laughs> thankful later because there's honestly, I can say in the entire time we've been brokering, we've never once had it where our affordability didn't stick. Yeah, because we are sure like we are absolutely sure. And with my experience being in the banks for many years, like we know all the ins and outs. So with that, it's, again, right in front of them. I know how much I need to sell my house for. I know what my price range is. So now I can go in and make an educated decision.
1: Yeah, that's right. See, I think if there's confusion, any kind of confusion in any kind of way, then fear will always overrule and 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 inaction will occur, right? P- people will not do something if there's any kind of fear involved. And so if, if we can bring clarity and 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 calm and and understanding and reality to things and the reality is always qualify this when you're talking to people because it actually breeds more trust and it should be true you know what bob and mary right you know we're i'd love to get together with you because getting together with people is important people get together with them face to face toe to toe knee to knee right if you can as much as possible it's important to get together with people get an understanding. Do this kind of work with them, right? Have a conversation. You don't need to know all those specific details. You just need to ask the questions to get a handle on where they're going to be in the pillars, right? So once you've done that, then you can kind of say, you know what? The the conclusion might be not to do something right now. The Mm -hmm. conclusion might be, this is not the right time for you. Or the conclusion might be, it's not the right time to sell. But you know what? It might be a really smart time to do something right now for you given your situation, but I need to sit down with you and figure that out. Is that self-serving? Not at all, right? That, that's you being a consultant saying, I'm willing to spend the time with you. And I know that I might not get paid right away, right? But we're going to do what's in your best interest, but we have to have a, we have to have time to discover that. And bring clarity to the situation so at least you know what you're saying no to and you know what you're saying yes to right and that's a key element to serving people well and that's that's something we all need to get good at and we need to communicate that and 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 that's going to elevate us in our in our um in in the real estate industry okay lisa What's going on? What's happening? What's coming up?
2: <laughs> oh,
0: that's a loaded question. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: um, yeah, we definitely, obviously, have seen some some wild uh, things going on in the in the interest rate in the mortgage world. Um, you know, I've been doing this. I've been in finance for uh, twenty years, and so you know, we used to back in the day be able to say, "Oh, you know what." All indicators are saying that this is going to happen. Um, Gone are those days. You know, I just stopped talking (laughs) about like specifics. For a while because there was there didn't really seem to be any reasonability behind it right like mm-hmm. again things were starting to come down to so why is interest rates continuing to go up like you know and you we've got to dig really deep and i call it like an onion like you got to remove all these layers um, of what's going on economically to be able to fully understand it and i'm not going to go into too much detail for a couple reasons one because we need like a a huge amount of time to really understand it. But what I will say is this is, you know, they are projecting right now um, that interest rates are gonna go up again here by the end of 2022 by about 0.75%. Again, that's what they're projecting. Um, But then the good news is, is that they're talking about, you know, in 2023, interest rates starting to adjust again. Um, right now, we're attacking inflation. Um, they're wanting everybody to stop spending, um, and so you know they're they're. But it's happening. Like we are seeing some changes as you guys are experiencing. Um, so that's kind of what they're projecting out for interest rates. Again, I can't really speak specifically because again, it's you know we say one thing, and I and I'm hesitant to do that anymore because things are changing really fast as we experienced last year. Um, but I do hope that that gives some hope on that Um, it has to to be honest like we all we're all feeling it right and so something has to give at the end of the day going into 2023 um, you know they were talking about potentially a soft recession now they're saying it may be a bit of a harder recession that way so we're going to need some re-stimulation right people are going to feel hopeless they're not going to want to go out and do anything and economically that's really going to be be difficult Um, so that's kind of the reasoning why there's they're projecting that we're going to see a softening of interest rates. Do I think that's going to mean a drastic drop like we did? No, it's not. I personally do not think it's going to go back down to what it was because they really never should have been there. Like we never should have seen sub 1% rates, right? Again, Mm -hmm. that's, doesn't make sense, um, and so. But do I think that they're going to soften? Yes. Are we actually at an, a, a high interest rate right now? No. Like, if you've been in as long as I have, like these are not high interest rates, right? Um, and so, again, I'm not. I don't want to give hope that the interest rates going to be back down to sub one percent. Um, but I definitely think they're going to do something to stimulate. So that's kind of interest rate wise. Um, again, we, we were seeing in the last few months, you guys may have heard this, um, that we were qualifying for more based on uh, variable rates. So there was a time about three for about three months where we were actually qualifying people for variable rates because your contract rate plus 2%. Um, so they were qualifying for a little bit more if we were to um, apply through variable rates. That has leveled out now, just so that you know. So we're qualifying about the same with fixed or variable uh, so it really boils down to what what is best for them we when we qualified them for variable just to clarify we would then recommend that if they were fixed rate clients to then right away lock into a fixed rate um, mm-hmm. You know, questions about fixed versus variable, we get that all the time. Should I be locking in? We've had this for the past year. And again, I cannot say whether people should or shouldn't until we sit down and have a really lengthy conversation about their plans for the future, uh, as well as what specifically makes sense for them. What stage of life are you in? How much of a fallback do you have? If interest rates were to increase by another 1%, what would that do to your household? You know, everybody's lifestyles are so different. Um, so again, that's not an easy question to, to answer and it's, it's a very specific to each situation, but again, we're always available to have those conversations with clients. Um, but yeah, we do not make like blanket statements on there. It goes back to Kelly, what you said at the very beginning, you know, like we, we don't want to be, oh yeah, we can totally get that done for you. And then, you know, disappoint everybody. We're, we're very realistic and make sure that uh, what we're saying is very factual and specific to situations.
2: Um,
0: uh- so, yeah, debt ratios, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things to, to talk about. We talk about rates, great, but that's a small portion, really, when you think about it. You know, again, you know, how much income towards debt payments do you have? There is requirements. We always started at the top with the banks and credit unions and work our way through um, to get the best rates, you know, but maybe there's a business decision that makes more sense for you to use a B lender, for example, a little bit of a higher interest rate, but there's reasons for it, you know, like this this property, what is the end goal with this property and with you financially? Uh, so that again, long conversations with clients to figure out what's in their best interest. Um, you know, lifestyle is a really big thing. You know, what is this gonna do to your lifestyle and are you okay with that? So we take the guesswork out, like I said before.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And, and looking at it in a, in a three dimen- three dimensional way, as opposed to, you know, I mean, there's, there's some cheap money mortgages out there, but if someone's not thinking of staying there for the full term, the three to five years, like the best deal and rate isn't always the best deal when it's a $26,000 mortgage penalty. Right?
0: Absolutely. Cash back is a really big thing on that too. I worked for one of the big banks and we used to do cash back mortgages all the time. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Like they get this cash back. Yeah. Until partway through the term, they, they break their term and now they're paying the interest rate differential. So mm-hmm. the between when you first got your mortgage and the rate at the time, as well as they were paying that cash back, so they couldn't yeah. get out of their house because it was like you said twenty, thirty thousand dollar penalty. You yeah. know, so again, there's a long conversations with our clients about if you choose this type of mortgage, this is the long term impact for you.
1: Yeah, so they got to talk about everything. They got <laughs> everything, you know, and and I mean. Really, it's just you can't you can't replace experience, right? Like you, you do enough things, you have enough things happen and then you, you start to try and remember those things that happened and then you can help consult people as you go and all that kind of stuff. But having working with someone on the other end that is dealing with an important aspect of the process, that person needs to be in your corner and they need to be advising people properly, not just slamming people into mortgages and then moving on and then people get surprised later. That that is the that's going to reflect on you as a professional and so uh, super important to have the right people in your corner and um, and make sure you're advising people properly so that they have all the information when they're making a decision Um, in good or bad markets, even in those, in the crazy times. I mean, how many times did we have conversations with you and um, you know, we're trying to get people just about like, we're getting all the strata stuff we're doing inspections and everything before offer day, right. To try and like, I mean, it was crazy. Now we have this luxury of time with people. And um, I mean, I just saw a listing that I thought was priced pretty good Uh, yesterday. I asked them about, is it still available? It'd been on the market three months and they ended up taking about 150 grand under their already low list price. Like crazy things are happening right now. Um, And I'm not suggesting let's go hammer on every single seller because that's not gonna work well either. I mean, there's gonna come a place but here's the other thing, guys. Always remember this, every one of you. And um, and I think we're all going to feel it at some point. There's going to be a slight correction. There's probably going to be another jump, right? Which is, and everybody's hanging on for the jump. They're going, ah, I don't know if I should do anything right now. It's probably going to jump again. And eh, wrong answer. Okay, so if someone's locked in on a mortgage right now or on a rate, if they haven't got locked in, then, oh, my goodness. That's one thing we got to be telling people to do wherever the rate is. Doesn't matter where it is. Quit getting hung up on it. Just get locked in. If you're looking to maybe do something because if prices come down and they get in line with where you can buy and it meets your payments and your budget and qualifications and all that kind of stuff, then pull the trigger and do it because you're going to win at some point. Right. But if you're out of fear, not even getting locked in because, Oh, it's too high. Get locked in. Cause guess what? It's going to be higher. <laughs> right. So that's huge, like instilling that sense of urgency into people so that they can take advantage of opportunity when something pops up, right? And then that's our job.
0: If that rate is locked in, then if rates go down, great. Yeah. But at least you know they're not going to go up.
1: Exactly. So wherever it is, and if they're thinking of maybe doing something, just say, well, get locked in. Don't wait for it to dip back down again because it's going to keep going. If it goes back down, you get the benefit. So just lock in. And how long can we normally lock in, Lisa? Uh, 90 to
0: 120 days, depending on the lender.
1: Yeah. So 90 to 120 days. That's a long time to be locked in, right? There's a gestation period from finding the place, right? Going through all the the stuff. So call it two weeks, right? So you got to be thinking about that and thinking about timelines when you're working with people. But that's, you know, that's, don't hesitate on that. Like that, that's not a reason not to do something. Right, it's a reason to do something, get locked in. And then if rates go down, great. So the other thing, when rates go down again and they start to settle, and confidence starts to happen again and starts to occur again. Think about this. How many people are not doing something right now? Mm -hmm. Not even locking in, not even doing or locked in, but then didn't pull trigger because they're hoping for something better, whatever. Or they didn't have a realtor that was actively trying to look for solutions for them. Or they didn't have a mortgage broker actively consulting with them and getting them ready to get ready to get ready, right? So if that wasn't going on, what's going to happen is all of a sudden, all these people, pent up demand is going to happen. And there's going to be all these people coming into the market. And what's going to happen? Competition again. Because everybody's going to get used to it. They're going to get used to it. We got used to the 2%. We're going to get used to the five. We're going to get used to the four and a half. We're going to, it's going to become the norm, right? Because as human beings, what do we do? We get used to things. That's how we operate, right? We got used to COVID. We got used to like we got that's what happens, right? We go through the shock and then eventually we get used to things. That's human nature. It's what we do. When that starts happening, pent-up demand is going to kick in. So there's a few things we want to talk about on that, right? As a professional, yeah, maybe you're not doing as much deals right now, but how many seeds are you planting? How many people are you meeting with? How many people are you setting up right now? How many people are you building trust with right now? How many people are you figuring out how to meet and consult with and get them into the get them into the I call it the hopper, right? Just keep getting people into the hopper and eventually they they work their way out and they do something. But the more people you have in the hopper, the more people you have kind of plunking out, getting ready to do something. Our job is right now, our job is to consult with and meet with and get to know and help and gain trust with as many people as possible because they are going to turn on at some point. And this is where the rubber meets the road. There's going to be a lot of agents that are going to be strung out. They're going to be getting out of the business. They're going to go back to working in jobs and they're going to be, you know, paying all their attention on that. Life's going to kick in. There's going to be a lot of them. There's a ton in the course right now that I think are going to come out and they're going to go through all their learning stuff. And then when things turn on again, they're going to, it's going to be perfect timing for them, but they're going to be replacing other people that are going out. Right? So there's opportunity for the someone, for the people that are actually doing the work right now. And you may not be doing the work, getting all the results immediately, but if you're doing the work, you're building that base. To be able to take advantage when things kick in again. I really believe that. I really believe that. Been through it enough. Anything else about financing?
0: Um, one thing I was gonna mention is we were talking about pre-approvals and rate holds. Um, so a couple things, just just what Pre approval versus affordability. So, just wanted to mention that quickly. Um, When we talk about pre approvals, it is always just an affordability. So, gone are the days where you can actually pre approve someone where they can go in subject free based on a certain amount. But we do, like I said, take the guesswork out of their budget. So, we're saying this is your budget. Once we get the home, like an accepted offer on a home, then we go in for final approval. And it just happens a lot faster because we're not gathering the information and going through and picking through all the different things that we need to deal with from a financial four pillar basis. Um, so again you hear the two things I say affordability because I'm very cautious on that because we're super transparent and we don't want people to believe that they can go in with offers and it's untouchable Um, again we still have to work through the process of approving the home so that's one thing on that the other thing is rate holds so the benefit of using a broker versus the bank side of things is is that if you haven't gone through and handed all of your paperwork into the bank for example um, then you only have a Rate hold at that one place, right? And so for us, because we do all of that work ahead of time as well, then we want to make sure that where whoever we rate hold is going to be your best lender based on your situation, right? So again, rate holds aren't just rate hold in the whole mortgage atmosphere. It's rate hold with that lender. So making sure that those clients, if they have a rate hold, that they've given all of their information. And again, even if it is at a bank, have they actually gathered everything and made sure that they can even do it. Because what if that one lender is like, oh no, you don't fit inside our lender box. Um, so therefore we can't prove you. And we actually had that in the last six months where they went to their bank, got a rate hold, rates went up 1%. And then when they went and found something, they declined them. So now they had to actually have a 1% increase in interest rate um, and when we got it on our desk because rates had moved. Right. So just something to mention as well. Make sure that if somebody says, yeah, I have a rage hold. Okay, have you actually provided all your information and made sure that when we find something, they will definitely approve it. Again, make sure we're doing the work ahead of time so there's no surprises.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is more common than you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is unbelievable right now. Um, I think I did a little intro video on, on um, TikTok and I, I might have shared it. But it was one thing I said on that was, do you, have you ever had a client say to them, oh, yeah, I'm all pre-approved.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the, and they weren't. Or the bank changed the game or something like that happened. That happens a lot. And we do know, like the first question, I'll, I'll just, you guys, you got to ask this. If someone says they're pre-approved, okay, great. So have you locked down on a rate then? Oh, no. Well, I, I just talked to my my banker and they said, oh, yeah, we can get you a mortgage. Like that that is not a pre-approval. That's, that's called a conversation (laughs) that means nothing is not a, that is not a pre-approval, but if they say, yeah, no, I've, uh, I gave them all my tax information. I actually had to give them a job letter. I couldn't believe it. I'm not even buying yet. And I had to give them a T pay stubs and T fours and, and, you know, you know, showing my bank account. And then they got my profile in there. Okay. That is most likely a pre-approval, but, did you lock down on a rate? Right. Did you, did you lock down on a rate? Some banks won't do it, mm-hmm. right? They won't do it. It's not worth the work for them. They're not reserving money for anybody. They're not doing that. Right. Some banks won't do it. So you got to remember that. That's, that's a tough one. Cause if the rates bump, they're out of the game based on that amount. So what Lisa's talking about is we're actually doing the work. We're actually getting a lender to commit to a rate and, and, and stay on that for you, uh, during that time that you're hunting, but now you got to be hunting, right? It's so, uh, yeah. Is it a full pre-approval? Because what's the last thing that needs to to be approved is the property, right? A pre, a full pre-approval is the first three pillars are dealt with, right? They're solid on the income. They're solid on, the stability of that, how it all works, how it operates, the structures of it, because there's all different things going on in income now, lots of different jobs and how people are making money and all that stuff. I mean, I was talking to Tyler yesterday. Can I say this, Tyler, about about your lady? Okay. She is, she's an influencer on, I, I, I was blown away by this. I think this is so awesome. She is a belly dancer and, She, she, can I say she makes six figures and she's got over 30 K followers. And I mean, what a financing nightmare she could, but she probably can prove it, but she, you know, she gets, she gets flown all over the world to do belly dancing and teach belly dancing to people. That's what she does. Isn't that amazing? I think that's fantastic, but what a wacky kind of file. Imagine putting that down on a mortgage application, right? But it's awesome. (laughs) I'd like to point out that uh, when we, I wasn't a realtor when we got our mortgage, and I was an actor at the time, a professional actor. So, our our mortgage broker mm-hmm. was they worked very hard. Let's put it that, that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, we couldn't prove a consistent income, um, yeah. although we made a, a pretty good income for both of us. But artists, you're self-employed. I mean, you're just a, we're just financial nightmares. But uh, yeah, it, they did work hard for us, and we we did get what we wanted. But uh, uh, the banks just didn't, they didn't even talk to us. I mean, they, they threw embarrassing figures yeah. out. Oh, you can borrow a hundred grand. Yeah. That's what are we going to do with a hundred grand? That's not going to do it. But yeah. yeah, it was talking to a broker made a huge difference because they actually can hear your story. And, and I feel like they do a little bit more detective work than, than the average yeah. bank. Yeah.
0: That's, um, a, that's a great point, Tyler. Cause really that's why I love my job. And I honestly can say that I love my job because there's never a no. It's, you need to do this, this, and this, or this is your solution and this is what it's going to look like. Like, honestly, you guys, it's so fun because sometimes it's like that credit score is just a little bit too low. Okay, but you've been utilizing over 70% of your limit on your credit card. That's what's keeping it low. You're doing everything right. You're making all your payments, everything. They make that one change and three months later, boom, they're in. Mm -hmm. you know, and how exciting to be part of that process. And so, yeah, it's never, it's never a no. It's just, how do we got to look at this? How are we mapping it out? We work as a team because we believe that more brains than just mine. Absolutely. You know, experience, all that stuff comes into play, but yeah, that's, that's a great story.
1: I love that. There's never a no, there's never a no really. There's just a when Mm -hmm. and what do we got to do to get there? Right. Um, You know, we have speed bumps along the road. They're not walls. That we're bumping into, right? They're just speed bumps. We got to just figure out how to get over them. And sometimes time, it could be just time that you need. But if you just kind of go, well, you're not doing it now, so see ya, right? And they by those those people are going to get picked up by someone else, right? Keep them on the bus, right? Keep them on the bus, and and eventually they're gonna, you know, we're gonna get them to the destination. But uh, so that's the key, right? and we got to love on people we got to care about them we got to you know you know there's some people that that are just a mess financially they may not be 2 3 years right but i've worked with some people lisa and i've worked with some people they still probably actually there's one couple i'm thinking of right now they still haven't bought a house for me they 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 just can't do it they're still renting can't seem to get stuff together another life thing happens you know it's just some people just you know it's just they're not able to do it but you know what because I took the time with them and we did work on solutions and we did give them things to do and we did check in on them and we did walk alongside them. They've referred three different people to me that have bought and sold real estate, right? They've never sold. They've never done a deal with us, but we've, we've gotten three deals from just, just caring about these people. Right. And because who else are they going to refer? Like the person they bump into the people bump into people all the time and talk about real estate. Right, So that's, that's a whole other aspect that we're not even talking about, but, but that is a, a key element to success in real estate that, that you can't even, me- like it's hard to measure, right? But you can measure how many people you meet with, you can measure how many leads you get in the sense of, you know, people interested in something that maybe you could figure out how to help, right? You can measure that. You can mark that down. You can add those up. You can measure that, Right. Eventually you'll start measuring the deals and the commission checks and all that kind of stuff. Those are lag measures, but the lead measures are, are the amount of people that you're touching on a daily basis to try and figure out how to help. Right. You can measure that. That's what you need to be measuring. Right.
2: Can I ask a quick question? Sorry. Yeah. please, um, Lisa, you mentioned uh, rate hold versus lock it in locking in a rate. Can you clarify what the key differences are please? Uh, That's, it's exactly the same, just two different ways of explaining it. No,
0: great question. though. Yeah, we, you can refer to it as a rate lock rate hold It's just making sure that that rate, you have a start date and an end date as to when that is when it's held for you. Right. So, um, but part of our process in it, um, when we qualify clients, especially if they're fixed rate clients, we're saying, okay, let's just take a look at this. And it's super important right now because the rates going up.
2: So if they held or locked in a rate, um, I was under the impression that it wouldn't change, but I, I don't know if I misheard, you were saying that it did change for that
0: 1%? Well, so what happened is, is they only, they went into their bank, right? And they, they said, yeah, we'll hold the rate for you, but didn't gather any other information or anything, just like they were clients, right? And so they can do that. So for us, we need all the information up front and then we put in for a rate hold. And the importance and the differences is is because at their bank, because they didn't update all their employment information and like their debt servicing and look through all of that, they just gave a rate, right? And they just locked in a rate, but they didn't get pre-approved or they didn't find out their affordability. And so when they went to act on it, what happened is, is that they said, we can't approve you. And so, because again, they didn't tick all the boxes of that specific lender, right? And when I was in the bank, like I could only offer what I, what I could offer at whatever institution I was working at. And so for us, because we're, like I said before, we're doing that work ahead of time to make sure that wherever we are holding a rate, is we know that they tick all the boxes, right? We picked up the phone and we've said, hey, here's our high level. This is who the clients are. This is their employment history. This is where their down payment's coming from. You know, this is who they are as people. Is this something that would tick all your boxes? And they're like, yeah, yeah. No, we can totally do something like that. So just that phone call and just that little bit of work ahead of time can be a game changer for a client, right? Because you can't, like you can't have rate holds all over the place necessarily either. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just protecting them doing, it's just slowing down so that we really fully understand the situation to make sure we don't run into situations like that. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Thank
1: yeah. You. That's a really good question, Hina, actually to clarify that. Cause um, that, that is a, a huge distinction where is the work done because mm-hmm. it, sure they can throw out a rate all day long, but they may not qualify for that rate. And unless they've done the work to qualify for that. And so that's a key element to everything. And it happens all the time. There's there's mortgage people out there that will just throw rates around to try and get people to make sure that they call them or deal with them. And they're not a rate that these people would ever qualify for. <laughs> and or by the time the people actually do something and actually give all the information because now they're an active file, they're now t- finally doing it. They still got this rate in the back of their mind. Oh, I'm locked in. I talked to Bob from whatever, Blue Bank, and he said this rate. And then, the, okay, and he tells his realtor. And his realtor goes, yeah, you pre-approved. Yeah, I'm pre-approved. My bank told me that rate. Okay, awesome. Let's go. Let's look at 40 houses, finally make a decision on something, whittle away negotiations for a week and a half. We finally get it accepted. We submit it in, and they're going, no, we can't approve that anymore. It's a all it's, the time. Right. It is, but it's, that's why we got to be really diligent on making sure we're doing our job and walking people through the process. Right. And some people are hesitant because the process sucks. Like Mm -hmm. it's not fun (laughs) going through a pre-approval. It's not fun. It is.
2: is, If you're having a conversation with a potential client as a realtor and they think they're pre-approved, like, you know, as a realtor, like, are we supposed to question them? Like, who did you get the pre-approval? Was it a bank or was it a mortgage breaker? Or like, you know, did you submit all your income or things like that? I know it's, it can be a lot more, um, a better conversation. I mean, I'm just being really upfront right now, but
1: yeah, you know, it, it's like, super how do you
2: question that when they think or believe they're locked in with a pre-approval.
1: That's awesome. Hina, thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's the next point right? Because now we're representing our seller and maybe we have multiple offers or maybe we just have one offer in, but we're going to tie up the property. It happens, right? You tie it up for two weeks. And are we tying it up with someone that is actually pre-approved, right? Right? Because that's part of the that's part of the pitch from the realtor. Oh, yeah, they're solid, they're all pre-approved, they're ready to go. And how many times have deals not gone after the, the realtor has said that. So, Okay. So pre-approved, they've got all their stuff into the bank, like all their tax stuff, all they're in, they're locked down on a rate. They've got a a pre-approval for a specific amount and we're in there. Yes. Yes. They've done all that work. Okay, great. Awesome. Like that's an okay. You're, there is nothing wrong with asking that as you're representing your seller. There is nothing wrong with that. That's you doing a good job for your seller. Right. Just
0: to, add, just to add to that, too, like I, I totally agree with Kelly on that. And it's just having these conversations are gold. Right. Because it's experience. So Kelly's experience and Nicole's experience and my experience on these that it's like, you know, we ran into that. And so then you explain to them why you're asking. Right. I'm asking because, you know, we, we've had situations or I've heard of situations where they thought they okay. were. Unless you've given all of your information, then this, this, and this could happen. And we just want to make sure you're protected. And that's just doing the right thing for the client. So I I hear you because I used to feel the same way. You know and I'd be like that hesitant like I don't want to lose these clients or disappoint Kelly because you know his clients go back and say like she wanted everything including the kitchen sink like no I just wanted a rate right and yeah. so we always have to skirt around it too and be like hey I understand that you're wanting a rate but I just want to do what's right for you and make sure that what we're doing is in your best interest and in order to do that we do have to ask these questions and just also to comment just because it pre-approvals at a bank doesn't mean that it's not not good. I was just using yeah. that as an example, like definitely people in the banks do the work as well. It's just, again, make sure we're asking that question. And sometimes people come to us and they say, I already have a rate hold at the bank. Okay, perfect. Did you give them all the information? Like, did they give you something written as well? Yeah. Was it just a rate throwing out there? Because again, it's people's perception of what they received. Right. Yes. And we to make sure that what they receive from us, I'm writing that summary purchase price of your affordability. This is how much of a down payment you're going to need. This is what rate we've held for you. This is how much you need to sell your house for, because this is how much cash you're going to need. Right. So I'm putting that on paper and I'm committing to that subject to blah, blah, blah. Right. Whatever it is, um, you know, finding the home and whatnot. That's again, we can't get a formal approval until then. um, But that's why we want to make sure we ask those questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. This is great stuff, guys. Thank you for those questions. Um, Real quick, anybody who came later on the the Facebook live, um, if you want to DM me, I will send this out to you. This is a document no one has seen. This is not in the course. This is not in the book. This isn't anywhere. This is something I created for another pillar in the course. Um, it will be introduced into the course um, at some point, but right now it's not there. Just going to take that out of there. Um, so yeah, uh, you can get it. I'm happy to send it over to you. Just send me a DM with your email address and I'll send you uh, that document. And it's all about uh, the four pillars of finance and uh, getting into that proper conversation with your clients so that you're able to properly pre-approve them. At least ask the right questions. You don't have to delve in. They don't have to open the, flay themselves wide open and give you everything, but at least you can get a feel for things. And uh, it talks about how to ask those questions in the document too. Um, So, yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa, for your time and uh, spending some time with us. And I want to invite you to come every week and just be here with us and just, you know, maybe hear what realtors are talking. You don't have to come every single time if you don't have time. But, um, you know, and and other real estate professionals too, that if you want to join us in our coaching sessions and offer some uh, people that are complement the real estate industry, uh, I invite you. So, if you're watching this, or if you're seeing this in another way, we're probably going to throw this on YouTube um, as well. People in the live, thank you for joining us today. Uh, so I'm glad you're here. And so, um, yeah, let's wrap it up. what are we at here? 11:03, perfect. I'm sorry I started a little bit late. I got logged out of Zoom. I had to figure out my login credentials. It's so funny how <laughs> you you just get used to doing things. Anyway, I'm going to let you all go. Thanks for joining us, Onid. Uh, I appreciate you coming. And uh, I always love new people joining us. so um and uh, and Tyler too, I think that was your first time too coming with coming to yeah be with us. so very cool. See you later, Heather. And uh yeah, did everybody get value out of that today?
2: Thank you so much.
1: Everybody got stuff out of that Good. Good. Awesome. Thank you everybody, very much. You're very welcome. Go out there make a great day. We do this every every Thursday between 10 and 11. All right, talk soon. Thank you. <laughs> Hi new agents, I'm here to save you a lot of time and get you making money fast. Listen up, timing is everything, right? And this is right now, pertinent information for you right now at this moment in time. The pandemic is coming to a place now where we're all getting back to normal. People are out there heading to open houses again. How do you maximize these opportunities? Are you? The market is starting to shift. Less multiple offers. Buyers are starting to have some choices now as the inventory is starting to increase and sellers are seeing their homes on the market a little bit longer, but this is okay. This is normal. And that's an enormous opportunity for you. And this is where being a professional real estate agent who operates properly with the right knowledge and activities and strategies so no time is wasted and you get to commission quickly, confidently, winning business from your competitors is the key now because these other people have been making money in real estate by plunking signs in the ground and then thinking that they're fantastic marketing specialists. This is where the rubber meets the road right now. Some of you could not get a listing to save your life over the last year and then when you finally had a buyer, you'd get beat out on eight to 10 deals before actually finally getting that buyer an accepted offer if you got lucky or you lost that buyer because they got sick and tired of the craziness. How many were not selling their homes because they didn't think that they could buy at the time? It's more important than ever right now to know how to position yourself as a professional who knows what they're doing, gaining massive mind share in the community. You need to know how to attract the opportunities and the leads and then you need to be amazing at converting those leads into commission checks. I created an online course that is changing the game for new real estate agents because while everyone is trying to figure out how to be a social media superstar but not actually meeting clients to help them buy or sell, you're going to be filling your calendar with appointments, meeting people in person, making contacts and signing contracts. Everyone out there is told to do fruitless activities without a plan and they wonder why nothing is working and that's not their fault. There's a lot to teach new agents. There's a lot. Nobody has time to teach you properly. It's totally true. Unless you spend over $10,000 per year on a coach or invest in proper training that's affordable, you know, that's why 13% of you are are, are gonna maybe make it. And 87% of you are falling through the cracks. You need an edge, an advantage. You need training that is specific, actionable, and easy to apply to get results fast. There's never been a a trick to making a lot of money in anything. Real estate's no different. There's skills and mindsets and strategies and tools and planning involved to make a lot of money in real estate. That's no secret. It doesn't happen by accident or, or happenstance. You can't rely on your sphere of influence to make a living, you can't. Door knocking or cold calling is not the solution for quick commissions either. Let's face it, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of confusion out there, and that's why I created the Quick Commission Accelerator course. I teach you how to uncover the most profitable sales in your marketplace right now. And then I'm gonna teach you how to go out there and I'm gonna teach you how to get it. And then I'm gonna give you all the skill sets, strategies, scripts, letters, to ensure that you win the business every time. Like my one-page listing presentation strategy, that's gonna put your competition to shame. And then you're gonna apply the power of a 4x formula and put it to work because now as we move to the balanced market, you're gonna be able to 4x your business. What's the 4x formula? Well, here it is in a nutshell. I teach you everything that you need to know to get your first listing in as fast as 28 days, and then leverage that listing to earn your next 40 deals in as fast as 12 months. You're literally only one listing away. The timing is perfect. Hit the button below to learn more and start building your business now. Yeah, building a business. Let all those other agents run around trying to be salespeople, utilizing a frantic, scattered approach while you're building a business with a solid, actionable plan. Build a business. It's a huge difference. And I talk about that inside the course. Go to 4 and get started today.